Welcome to the Washdown Podcast, episode number 82. And tonight, my guest is fire apparatus operator John Young. And John has been with fire service for 21 years. He spent 12 years in the rescue division of our department, and he has been a driver for eight years. Um, And he joins me tonight, and we talk about the stigma of mental health um, in the fire service. And also, we touch on a lot of leadership principles. And, you know, it was a really great conversation, and I'm very appreciative for him coming on the show and sharing with everybody. So hope everybody likes, you know, our conversation. If you do click like, subscribe, all that good stuff. If you're listening to it on YouTube, subscribe to it. If you're on Spotify or whatever platform you're watching it on. Um, yeah. And so without further ado, here's John Young and have a good day. On social media and seems to talk about, am I loud enough? Uh, yeah, I okay. think you're good. They seem to talk a lot about, you know, millennial this and they're bad and they don't want to do this and they want to play video games and all that. But I also post a thing on social media at least once a year. It says, if they suck, mentor them. If you don't, then you suck. Absolutely. It's 100% accurate. Yeah. And it's our responsibility to pass it on. And luckily where I work, the, the, you know, there's a lot of young people and they're they're very motivated to learn and stuff. So it's been great. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's the thing is, you know, we got nobody to blame but ourselves if we're failing yeah. the incoming generation. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have to at least put the effort out, you know. So, yeah. I mean, teach them what we can teach them. And if, you know, they want to learn, they'll learn. And if you can motivate them, even if they don't want to learn sometimes, then that's even better. Mm-hmm. When I started getting into what – started when I was in the rescue division and uh we would get people new people in the rescue division and you know the older guys are supposed to teach the the newer guys and uh I was struggling with teaching a specific person he was a really good friend of mine extremely hard work ethic great guy but he wasn't getting something and so I taught him how I was taught the old school red ass way that's how I was raised by my parents that's how I was raised on the fire department, and that's all I knew, and it did not work on him, and I couldn't understand why. So my mom, actually my mom's a teacher, so I talked to her a little bit about, uh, you know, some methods and how to get across to people and realize there's a whole, there's several different methods to teach somebody, to motivate somebody, to pull somebody up, and so I totally changed my tune. He He's thriving he's got almost 20 years on he's a great fireman if you knew who i was talking about you'd be like oh yeah he's super solid yeah. well it just i just needed to come at him a different way yeah and so having seen that i have realized that the old school red ass way that worked for me does not work for very many people so it's really not a good technique uh at, no not anymore mm-hmm. it really isn't and and you'll see you'll see young people clam up just like this guy i'm talking about clammed up or get angry or disconnect and say, now I don't want to do it at all. Well, we got the funnest job in the world, so why would I do something that would make that guy not want to even come to work? That's terrible, right? So yeah. he's just got to. Okay. 
right. and now we're back and yeah. we can see. <laughs> Sorry about that. No, John, thanks for coming on the show. I appreciate it yeah. a lot. Thanks for having me. No problem. Um, well, since I interrupted you, we'll, we, let's. I think it's really interesting, that conversation we were just having. Um, but let's give some people some background. Um, so tell us about yourself a little bit, and then we can jump back into okay. that. All right. Well, um, I was raised up in a family of first responders. Mom and dad were cops. Uh, I've had four uncles on the fire department. Uh, so I was around it all my life. Figured that's what I want to be. Uh, became a fireman uh, almost 21 years ago and uh, just come up through the, you know, through the city that I work for. And I just love it. I, uh, I started in the rescue division. Um, I worked my way to a truck, got enough seniority to go to a truck. Truck work is what I really, really like. I mean, I love it all, but that's where I, that's what's home to me. And then I became a driver and I kind of started over. I went, I, I was lucky enough to get back into the rescue division right away as a driver and, uh, learned a lot more as a driver and then was able to move over to a truck again. Now I drive a ladder truck and that's right where I want to be. So things are great. Yeah, Got cool. 21 years on now in a couple of months. <laughs> I think honestly, from my opinion, that's one of the best spots on the fire department is being a truck driver. It's awesome. Because you get to drive and, but you still get to work. Yeah. It's, and the work that I do is, I I feel that it's very beneficial and I know it's secondary to the actual fire operations. I'm not the guy going to rescue people. I'm not the guy that's going to put fires out, but I do do some things on the fire ground that are pivotal for the people doing all of that. And since I used to be the guy crawling around on my hands and knees, you know, getting my ears burnt while I was looking for people, I see the need and the value of being on the roof and ventilating the way we do. And I take it pretty serious because I've been on both ends. Uh, yeah. You know, so yeah. I, I got that lucky perspective. Yeah. Yeah. I had a very short uh, time on the truck as a firefighter. Um, I thought I was going to get a little bit more time there and then I got promoted. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> that man, list took off. it took off fast. Yeah. Um, so I only got to do a little bit of roof stuff, but man, I'll tell you what, you can definitely tell the difference. Oh yeah. Yeah. On so, a good pressurized house, it's literally like flipping a light switch. Yeah. So yeah, I like it. I'm pretty lucky. Yeah. <laughs> 50 years old think I hit the lottery. I mean, I don't I don't go to work, I go have fun, you know. Absolutely. Well, that's what this job's supposed to be about. Right. In, in the grand scheme of things that, you know, living station life and hanging out with the people that you work with. Yeah. That's the important part. Or that's the, you know, the part that really kind of makes this job super appealing. All right. Is yeah. being able to do that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there's there's very few jobs where, you know, guys get together their families know each other they go on vacations together you know yeah they've been around the country with other firemen and their families and stuff so it's very seldom do you get to do something like that yeah all right so let's pivot back to the education thing yeah that we were talking about all right yeah um yeah what do you want to how you want to go lead into that um well we were talking just about in it's almost like a leadership thing what you were talking about of how to motivate the right. younger generation and having to use different styles than the way you were brought up in the fire service, right, right. even the way that I was brought up in the fire service. I'm not that yeah. far behind you. Right. So, um, out of all of the things that I found that I've read, that I've talked to other people, my mentors about, 
the one that I've found that works the best, uh, and this may be obvious, but it's really not obvious. I'm not a teacher. I'm a fireman that's trying to teach people. So it wasn't obvious, but I have found that <clears throat> if you take a task that you think is very difficult for your firefighter, but attainable, it's just like just outside their comfort zone. And then you, you figure out a way to get it done. I'm not a book. I'm not a book guy. I don't, I don't really care so much about the, how the books taught us to be firemen. I've, I've done things on the fire ground and learned from other firemen different techniques. So I take all of those techniques. I show them several different ways to do something and then find the one where they're successful. Then when they're successful, I don't, I don't stop. I, I praise them a lot. Right. And that may sound odd. We're firefighters, you know, we're supposed to be the big tough guys that don't want to pat on the back or whatever. Uh, people may misconceive or misperceive that rather. Um, but it goes a long way with young people. So if they look up to you as a mentor and they just did something they didn't think they could do, but you thought they could do, then you praise them for it, man, it blows them out of the water. And then they're going to do anything they can to show you, to prove to you that, that they're, you know, that they're right there with you right. and they'll, 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 they'll knock, they'll go down through walls for you. You know, they'll do anything for you once you get that, that trust. And, uh, <clears throat> one of the thing the, the number one thing that I, that I have found, and I don't throw this word out very often, but the number one thing that I found that works the best is when they do something extraordinary where they totally didn't think they could do it and they knock it out of the park you look at them dead in the eye and you tell them you're proud of them and you'll see a total change in that person i've done every single person i've done it to has been it's it's been it's mind-blowing how they change and uh you know i just remember how that felt when uh when my dad would say that or when my football coach would say that or whatever you know absolutely and then i threw that on some firefighters and i was like boy they they they're top dogs now you know they it, it really just changed their attitude yeah well shifting that perspective a little bit and giving them confidence in themselves mm -hmm. and then knowing that somebody they look up to knew that they could get it done or believed in them that they could get it done yeah i mean yeah you're talking about building them up and setting setting them up for success that's it we yeah. gotta set them up for success that's why i don't teach the book way they already learned the book way yeah. Whether no matter what it is, whether it's I don't know, throwing ladders, uh, you know, advancing hose lines, how to hold a hose, how to deploy a hose, all of those things that are very basic that we learned in the academy, I don't teach any of that stuff. I always show them two or three other ways. Yeah. Um, I use the pumper in my station as an example. I'm not on that pumper, but those young firefighters, we we drill together, right? And so two of them were humongous men, really big dudes. One of them's an ex-football player. These guys are big old dudes. And then the other two firefighters are 120-pound women. They all have to do the same task. Yep. So how do I – I'm not going to be able to teach them how to throw a ladder the same. Yep. So we don't. I showed them one way. I showed them all the ways. The guys do it one way. The girls do it a different way. They both get it done. That's all I care about. Yeah. Well, a million ways to skin a cat. Yeah, and then when you have a little 120-pound firefighter that does the same task as that 300-pound football player, their confidence grows huge, you know. And, and now back to the wanting to 
you know, please their mentor or please their captain or whatever, they're going to go, they're going to go harder for you and try harder. Yeah. Yeah. It's been successful so far. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, dude, I, I agree a hundred percent with that. Um, that's one of the things that I've slowly been trying to implement and it's, you know, it's different whenever you're a floater, there's only so mm-hmm. much that you can yeah. do that with, you know, well, the crew you're with today, you right. know, you make sure that you know that, or those guys know that you appreciate them, right. that what they're doing is, you know, good. Mm-hmm. So it's tough though. There's a floater. I can't imagine, yeah. you know, you're seeing all kinds of things and you can't really do a whole lot about it. Uh, good and bad. <laughs> yeah. It, that's, you're not wrong, yeah. but thank, thankfully, my experience as a floater was overall, I think, pretty good. That's good. I didn't have anything that I really, there was no issue that I was like, okay, that needs to be addressed like mm-hmm. right now. It was mostly everywhere that I was at, the guys were pretty solid. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if they had a question, they'd ask me. Yeah. And I'd be like, dude, the way that you're doing it's fine. Yeah. It, I mean, I could show you the way that I've done it in the past and the way that, you know, captains behind me have taught me to do it what works for you is what works for you. Right. You know? Yep. So anyway, the reason that I asked you on the podcast, um, cause we had, you know, the driver training that we went through and you, you made a comment, um, about mental health and you were talking about, you know, crashes and things like that. Um, it kind of stuck with me. Mm-hmm. So I, I kind of wanted to get, you know, your story and your perspective on how we're doing with that in the Mm. fire service. How we're doing, how we're doing is better than we were not too long ago. We're actually getting better. This is the first time that I've seen in recent years where, can I name names? Uh, Uh, Yeah, Uh, I wouldn't. Where a guy in our, in our union went to a company of, uh, you know, psychiatrists and, and got the, got the ball rolling to get us some real help. So there's, there's different, there's different help out there. What I found. And this guy went and got some real deal people. And I I believe that they're helping out a lot. Um, but, but overall the fire service is way, is lacking way, way behind in mental health. And, uh, you know, there's. I think maybe the comment that I, you're probably referring to is the the stigma in the fire service that it, of you're a weak man or you're not man enough if you got to go see a, a shrink. We're the fire, yeah. we're the problem solvers. People call nine one one. Their worst day, we come fix it. That's what we do. We're yep. done, right? <laughs> well, you know that's that's all well and good, but we see a whole bunch of stuff over years and years and years. And then you're dealing with things at home for years and years and years, and you add all of that up, what do you think is going to happen? It, I, I don't know who the toughest person is in the world, but everybody's going to be affected by things. You know, so so what I said in that class is is, is I'm, ta- I'm, talking, I'm talking to everybody when I say that, but I'm talking to the young people that nobody said that to me when I was a young person. And I'm talking to that middle of the middle of the career guy, that 10 to 15 year guy also. And I look at him and I say, you know, when that old guy or or when people when people think that you're weak for going to see a shrink, I look at him. I say, that's bullshit. That's wrong. It, it's dead wrong. They're wrong. And uh, I know a whole lot of people on our job, big, tough, bad dudes 
that go see shrinks and go go get themselves some help. And maybe that I say shrink like like yeah, it's a counselor. good thing. I mean, you counselor. Yeah. yeah, I hope that people hearing this don't think that's a derogatory term. That's a good thing. I, I just that's the term I use normally. But yeah, counselor, go see somebody. And uh, how it all got started with me uh, going and seeing one and getting help was. I worked at a station in the middle tar- middle part of our of our city, and for whatever reason, this station had over several years lost several people, and I'm not talking two or three. I'm talking half a dozen more guys to different things. Um, you know, there's a heart disease, there's a cancer, and then he ended up killing himself. That was a mentor of mine that sucked. That was terrible, and. Um, and there was another suicide and there was a line of duty death at a fire. And there was a, there was a guy that got in a fight with a cop and the cop killed, you know, there was just all these things over and over and over again. And then you run the calls, then those over and over and over again, you know, the little seven year old that gets eaten by a Rottweiler and lives. And you had to fight the Rottweiler. I fought the Rottweiler while my partner went and grabbed a kid. Yeah, I mean, there, it's just you go through all these calls and over and over and over again, all that adds up, right? Yeah. So now I've got issues at home, just like a lot of people, and I'm kind of down and just thinking, man, this is, you know, things aren't great, like they should be. Oh. And I'm I picked up an overtime shift on an ambulance, one of our busy ambulances in an, in a very busy part of town, uh, and I'm sitting at the dinner table in this station. And very interesting how this all planned out or played out. Everybody was in the day room. We were all talking. Um, and then, I don't know, it was after lunch, so guys went and worked out, and then they went and took a nap, and they did whatever they were doing. All of a sudden, with no planning, I'm alone sitting across the table from one of my friends who's on modified duty because he had a gun in his mouth and was going to pull the trigger. He went and got himself some milk. And out of the clear blue, I didn't even know that at this time. Out of the clear blue, the conversation stopped from the fire stuff, like we were talking when everybody was in there, till he looked at me and just started telling me a story. Told me about sitting there at home with a gun in his mouth. And I'm like, I'm thinking, holy cow, it just took me took me by surprise. And, you know, this is this is not just some regular guy. This is some big, tough dude. This is a bad dude. Like, most people would never... They would, everybody would be shocked if they knew this guy was going down this road because he's a big, tough dude. You don't think mm-hmm. about him having problems, right? Yep. I didn't. And so he's telling me all this. And the whole time he, I'm, he's telling me this, I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, this guy's a hundred times tougher than you. And he went and saw a counselor. So why won't you? Yeah. What's your excuse? What's your problem? And so that helped me get over that stigma that I was talking about earlier that, you know, oh, so-and-so over there at, you know, some busy station might think you're weak because you went, that's stupid. Yeah. And so I called our health advocate. Okay, so we got a couple of avenues to get mental health on our job, and one of them is EAP. And one of the guys at that station I was talking about that I used to work at was going through the EAP program, and I don't believe that. I'm not going to say every counselor that works for EAP is bad, but I'm saying it did not work for him and he ended up killing himself. Right. So I did not want to, I don't want no part of that. Yeah. And so I called this health health advocate. I told her where I was at and uh, she's like, yeah, you don't need that. We aren't, you're not going there. I have two names. I'm going to tell you about both of them. 
and you pick which one you want to go see and you go see him. And, uh, so she tells me about, uh, this guy that's, he started his career in the early seventies when he got out of, uh, you know, when he got his doctor, uh, his PhD or whatever, he started, uh, counseling, um, Vietnam veterans. Right. And I was like, well, that piqued my interest cause my dad's a Vietnam vet. So now I'm listening. Right. And goes through his career of Vietnam veterans and then, you know, uh, local police, you know, police departments and then all of these first responders. And this guy, this guy ain't doing the, just a regular guy off the street. He's doing the guys that he's doing me. He's doing us. He's doing us where he's seeing the guys that, you know, when we tell stories to counselors, (laughs) they don't even know what we get into. Well, this guy did. He, and he, he was able to help people. And so I said, all right, I'll go see him. So I, I went and saw him, and, you know, the first couple of sessions were rough because he's, he's trying to dig stuff out of you. And this guy, having gone through all of those big, tough people throughout his career, he doesn't pull any punches. Yeah. I mean, he'll tell you straight, that's, that's a dumbass move. You're an idiot. You're effing, <laughs> you know, and he'll tell you right there. And I'm like, oh, wow. You know, by and large, a lot of – the the counselors and therapists that I know that work with our population, they have almost that same mentality, mm-hmm. and it seems to work particularly well with the right. firefighters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of in your face. I'm not yeah. here to make you, you know, feel all lovey dovey. I'm here yeah. to help you get through your problems, right? So he yeah. did, you know. And I went to him for uh, I'd say six months or so, and you know, several times, several visits, and gives you coping mechanisms and tells you how to work through things and all it was great right and so i have uh i have tried to figure out a way to uh kind of break that stigma on uh social media where you know you you get on i'm on a lot of training sites so i have a lot of you know social media friends that i don't even really know we're not friends but they want to follow the training stuff that i do and stuff so uh i was thinking about you know getting on there and I don't know, just doing what we're doing right now, but I've never been able to do it. I I just haven't been able to do it. I would highly encourage you to, I think it's important. Go ahead and do it, you know, and it's not like you got to talk about it every time, Yeah, but you know, maybe once, you know, a quarter or something, and it doesn't have to be a big thing, just something. Because I'll tell you, I was reading an article from fire engineering back in February and I was doing research actually for the podcast that I shot last night. Mm-hmm. And in the article, they were talking, the university of British Columbia did a survey of firefighters asking them about mental health services and if they'd seek them and all of that stuff. 92%, 92% said they would not seek mental health services because of the stigma. See, that's where we're at. That's where we're at. It's like we are, and I did a Instagram post yesterday and put it up. We are actively preventing people from getting help mm-hmm. because of the culture and right. how we are. Now, you know, I don't know. Do we need to shout it from the rooftops and be in your face about it at every? I I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think that's gonna that's gonna turn more people off than it helps right. probably. Right. But at least we need to make it to where it's an acceptable conversation to have. Right. Yeah, I agree. Um, 
I think, you know, in different conversations over the last five years about this, I've come to know that, like I said earlier, there's some big, just big tough dudes that do, that do, they go see counselors, right? So if everybody knew that, they'd be like, oh, you know, if they had, if they had the experience that I had while I was sitting at that station, then they would be like, oh yeah, I'm definitely going to do it. So how do we how do we do that? <laughs> you, yeah. you can't tell them that name, that name, that name, and that name. You can't well, do that. But and I, that's and why I, I say what I say in that class. Yeah. I say, I do say, there's some big tough dudes that do it, but I'm not going to tell you their names. Yeah. Well, and I think it's, it's one of those things where, you know, I don't want to call anybody out or say it's their responsibility or whatever, but, you know, it kind of is. Yeah. I mean, yeah. step up and say something that, hey, you know what? I was having a problem and this helped me. Mm-hmm. You know, the, you're helping other people by doing that. And not only are you helping other people, you're helping your brothers and your sisters. Right. Important people. Yeah. yeah. We're supposed to be a family. You know, we take trips together. Right. Yeah. You know, we our families know each other. So how are you going to feel if it you're the, you know, yeah. a hot shit firefighter at your station and you're going to see a counselor and your buddy has no idea and you're over at Christmas and Thanksgiving and all that stuff and then he kills himself because right. he doesn't feel like he can go get help. Right. Yeah. That's, yeah, <laughs> I agree. I hear you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that that's kind of the whole point of this podcast. Right. It's just, let's be open and honest about it and talk about Gotta it. Got to start talking about it. Yeah. It has been very difficult for me. You can ask. <laughs> it's been very difficult for me to come here and talk about it because I'm putting myself out there and I don't mind putting myself out there teaching about something that I know, yeah. like fireman stuff. But this, <laughs> this is different. Hey, it's very I, tough. Believe me, I I appreciate you being here. Yeah. So I, yeah. I really do. So, but no, but that's part of reducing that stigma. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, just being say hey yeah it's not a big deal it's really not it's one of those things that it's not a big deal until it is a big deal right and it's a bigger deal when you don't seek help if you go seek help it's not that big of a deal right you go and you talk to your counselor you talk to your therapist you work through your stuff you you get those coping skills and so and hopefully you know it's not like maybe there's a misconception of oh well if i start going to see a counselor it's like blood pressure meds. I'm going to have to go see a counselor for the rest of my life. Right. That's not it. That wasn't the case for me. Yeah. I mean, maybe you can, but I didn't. You can, but it's probably a shitty counselor. Yeah, because true. Yeah. They didn't help you get over anything. Yeah. Their, their whole goal <clears throat> is to give you those skills so you can cope with them yourself. Right. So you know what to do. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you look at a lot of the coping skills on the fire department. <laughs> Alcohol, Alcohol. drugs, (laughs) yeah. You you know, you can just go down the laundry list of all the bad shit you could possibly do. Right. No, let's get some good coping skills. Let's talk about this shit. Right. Yeah, get it out there. Yeah, Uh, it's tough, but yeah, that's what needs to be done. I think that that guy we were talking about earlier, the the union guy that got that company to come in. Remember when all of us went down? Yeah. I, I thought that was great. I actually did it twice. One of them, I was on overtime, and I didn't stay at the station. I wanted to hear it again. I, I really liked their spiel and what they were saying. Those guys, that 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 man and woman that were uh, 
in, in the day that I went, they mm-hmm. they were in your face, man. They they told it they told it like it is, and uh, like you said earlier, that's how firemen you know respond. They they respond to that. So I I have not sat through any of their sessions, but I had a feeling just by the way they were talking, they were going to be good at their jobs, mm-hmm. and that's what I want. Uh, that's that's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping people will use them. I yeah. hope so. Yeah. And after those, uh, you know, after their spiel, uh, I don't know how many people were in the room, 75, yeah, maybe 100 at a time. I don't remember how many of us there were, but there was a line after that, after their spiel, they would take questions and comments personally. And you, both days that I was there, you'd see a big long line of people waiting to talk to them. I was like, oh, yes, that's insane. I would love that. That's a great uh, sign. Yeah. I thought they did a great job, and that that that's a that's a big deal. Yeah. Well, any type of forward movement is positive right. at this point, because, yeah. like you said, I mean, it's better than it was, but we're still well, way that, behind the yeah, eight ball. That statistic you just read: ninety-two percent won't go. Not yeah. not aren't thinking about it. They yeah. won't go. Yeah. Come on, man. And we're five times more likely than the national average to get PTSD. You're three times more likely to die by suicide than you are to die line of duty death. Yeah, man. I mean, just look at the, if you, we just look at the raw numbers, mm. it's like, come on, everybody. Let's get our head out of our ass and let's yeah. be proactive. Let's figure this out because yeah. we need to make it better. We need to make it better in a hurry. It almost seems like something should happen, you know, earlier, way early in our career before you. You remember that analogy in that thing? He said, you got a bucket, you fill, you fill memories into that bucket. Eventually that bucket's going to get fill, full and then overflow. Yeah. Well, you got to, I didn't see somebody until my bucket was overfill, mm-hmm. overfilling. Well, what if, you know, what if you start at the beginning? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what that looks like, but. You know, we've, we've kicked that idea around me and James and Chris, and I've talked to other people about it. And, you know, it's one of those things where it all comes back to money. Oh, everything. Yeah, everything absolutely. comes back to money, and, you know, where you prioritize things. Because in my my thing is, okay, well, is it a priority or not? Do you want to keep these people happy and functional for 25 years? Or are we just going to let the ticking time bomb go until, right. okay, well, now he needs help or she needs help. And so we're starting from way behind the eight ball. Right. Whereas if we did something maybe in the training academy, you know, mm-hmm. and then had like some, it's hard to mandate stuff because you know how it is whenever right. you get the mandatory, oh, you yeah. got to go to class. Oh, it's yeah. like, oh, ah. yeah. I see it every day in this driver thing. Yeah. Somebody I mean, doesn't want to be there. Yeah. So, but it's almost like, yeah, it needs to start at the beginning of the career and they need to buy in at the very beginning. Right. And then that way, as they're moving forward in your career, that's how you get the culture change. Right. Is it's got to start at the bottom, but it also has to start at the top and come down. And they got to meet in the middle. So. Be proactive instead of reactive. The entire fire service is reactive. <laughs> Our per- personal job yep. is incredibly reactive. Yeah. It doesn't seem like we do anything proactive. And it always boils down to money. Yep. The things that I'm doing with this, you know, helping out with this driver thing, everything revolved around money. Yeah. I've I fought like crazy for I don't know, several times 
about getting an FAO manual printed out for every single person that walked through the room. I don't care if you're a captain or not. You need to know the you need to know all of this information. Yeah. And it's great information. It was made in 2018. There's no reason in my mind that no that everybody doesn't have it. It boils down to money. It's on the yeah. desktop. They can get it on the desktop. They're not going to read it on the desktop. You know, so just print the damn thing. Oh, it's yeah. $20,000. Yeah. Oh. Well, well yeah. I'm, not going to read it on the desktop cuz laptops don't work half yeah, the time. It, yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, all of those things, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, your the point was is it always boils down to money, yeah. And so, you know, you got you, you, the leaders got to care about their people enough to just jump over that hurdle. So there's not very much time in the academy for 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 more stuff. But could you do a two hour presentation? Out of the four and a half months that they're there, could you do a two and a half per hour presentation yeah. to show them the importance? Because nobody, you know, sometimes people say, well, you knew what you're getting into. Oh, that's the biggest line of bullshit. I did not know I was <laughs> what I was getting into. Are you kidding me? Yeah. I mean, I had four uncles and like I said, mom and dad were cops. An uncle, another, I got a bunch of family that are cops and firemen and I did not know what I was getting into. Yeah. I know I went on ride alongs when I was a little kid and I said, that's a kick-ass job. I got to do that. But that didn't, <laughs> that didn't tell me about all the bad stuff. I didn't see any of the bad stuff. No. You know? Yeah. Uh, and there's no way that, I don't think there's any way that you can be 100% prepared no. For your first day in the field. No, but if somebody tells you, hey, man, eventually you're going to see a dead kid. It's going to be in your arms. It's going to have its blood all over you. You're going to have to learn to deal with that. So how yeah. about we go ahead and learn some coping skills now instead of at your 15-year mark when you got a gun in your head, in your mouth, and you're ready to eat a bullet. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, you can tell them some things that they're going to, that they're going to see in their career and maybe just kind of shock them and be like, Hey boy, you better get some help now. It's, yeah. it's that important. Uh, that's, I don't know. That's just a, something I've thought about, but everybody wants to throw a bunch of more training in the Academy and they just don't have any time. Yeah. Like the driver thing, uh, back to the driver thing. They want that part of the Academy. It's not going to be part of the Academy that they're teaching them how to be firefighters at the bottom level. Yeah. They're not teaching them how to be drivers. They need to do that later. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's just no time for that. Yeah. But we got to figure something out. Right. Even if it's, you know, not in the academy, if it's once they come out, yeah. you know, or maybe it as, you know, company officers, take some initiative and make that part of your monthly training cycle. Educate yourself. Yeah. You know, I, it's it's not that complicated. It's really not. You know, <laughs> we expect our company officers to be uh, captains and teachers. Mm -hmm. It's two, two, two different things. It's two different careers uh, yeah. <laughs> all in one, right? <laughs> okay, so I, I find that I find it odd now that I'm teaching uh, like a, a, splinter, a splinter of the academy and I'm teaching this class, but I'm not a teacher. None of us are. The four of us are doing the best that we can, but we're not teachers. So how do we – how do you teach guys how to be teachers, right? Um, that, that's going to be a tough thing to, to do, to tell, to teach a captain how to recognize issues and then how to deal with those issues in the mental health aspect. But here's something that, that could happen. I worked for a captain. He's a very good friend of mine. 
And it's interesting that I didn't even recognize him doing this when he did it. But after he told me, after I didn't work for him anymore and he told me this leadership technique, I was like, I remember you doing that. Every day, he would take 20 minutes and dedicate it to a firefighter on his crew. This was on a rescue, so there was eight of us. It's seven of us plus him. Every day, he would give somebody 20 minutes, whether they were in the kitchen cooking or they were in the weight room working out or whether they were at the back of the rescue doing some drill or something like that. And he would go over and talk to them, not about fireman stuff, about personal stuff. He'd get to know them. He knows all of our wives' names, got their phone numbers, knows all of our kids' names and all. He knows everything, about a lot of stuff about us, right? Nobody's ever Nobody else has ever really done that. So if you're, if you're able to put yourself in a position to do that, uh, I feel like you're not going to recognize every issue that always comes across, but you're going to be able to recognize a lot of issues and be like, you know what? John's going through, through something. Something's not right because yeah. that's not normal. And then pull me aside and then say, hey, what's going on? Let, let's talk. Let's have a real talk, you know. So he was really good about that, and I've – I have uh, not, I'm not a captain, so I haven't done that like him. I have done that like him. I haven't done it from a company officer's point of view for his reasons. I've right. just kind of taken that and done it for different reasons. Just, just a crew cohesiveness. Right. We know more about each other, so we're closer. That, yeah. That's why I do it. Yeah. Well, and I, I'm a big fan of leadership at every level. And, yeah. you know, as the driver, the FAO, you're kind of the de facto leader yeah you know that's how that kind of runs that's how it used to be and that's that's how i was raised in the fire service and that's how i try to be yeah like i don't one of my main one of our main rules is uh don't make your captain be a captain don't make your chief be a chief exactly so don't go to him with any any of this bull crap come to me yeah we're the same you know i'll help you get through it if we can't then you know then we go to the captain yeah but yeah, I try to do that. Yeah. As best but I can. with that being said, it is the the company officers. I think it's a responsibility to do that, to get to know the people that you're working with. Mm-hmm. Not only you know you're going to get to know them on a personal level, but that actually is going to help you figure out maybe what their strengths and weaknesses are. Yeah. With the fire service, right? And what are they good at? What can and that's part of setting them up for success. Right. Because you're not going to have, you're not going to, this person who really sucks at tying knots, no matter how hard they try, you're not going to make that your knot guy. Yeah. Whenever you got this guy over here who's killer at knots, but this guy's great at something else. Right, yeah. So. Right. Yeah. It'll also show you, it might show you some uh, some skills on how to bring the best out of them, how to teach them doing, you know, it just shows them, that shows you their personality and you're like, oh, well. He's that kind of guy. He's like John. If I yell at him, I'll get more out of him. Yeah. If I'm in his face, I'll get more out of him. Or, you know, if I'm a different kind of personality, he'll be like, man, if I yell at John, he's going to clam up and not going to be able to do this task or whatever it is that I ask him to do. So, you know, you can learn things about people by just having quick little conversations like that. Yeah. And on the flip side of that, they can learn about you. Right. And learn what you expect of them and what you're cool with, what you're not cool with, and, you know, that you actually care about them. Right. And that goes a long way. Because I've worked for captains where it was obvious they didn't give two craps about me. Yeah. But then I've worked for other captains that were 
invested in me mm-hmm. and wanted me to do well. Yeah. And and you wanted to do better for them too exactly. because of that. Yeah. Yeah. Um one of the things I just saw this happen recently. I've I've never I've never seen a captain uh you know, every captain should give their their expectations to their crew. They get a new crew, they go they go meet all these this this new crew and they got to give them their expectations from driver on down. I get that. But I've never seen a company officer sit down with their crew and say, what are your expectations of me? What do you want from me? And I I was shocked when I heard it. I was like, ooh, dude, that was good. That That was good because he took these, they were two two two-year and two three-year and a 23-year driver is how much time that all five of these people had that he asked at. And it blew him away because nobody had ever heard that before. And I took, I'm I'm never going to, probably never going to be a company officer, but I took that and I'm like, ah, other people got to do this. Yeah. That was so big for those young people. Uh, you know, it just showed them a lot. And when they answer, when they were, when they came down, you know, they were like, oh, wow, I can't believe you asked me that. And they came up with some answers. It was great. Yeah. Now he knows, they know, they're on the same page. So you, you, you can't help somebody if you don't know how they what they need to help on exactly man if i had a company officer ask me what i needed (laughs) i'll tell you right now you know what i did have a i had this is the first time this has ever happened uh no names but this is a deputy and again i come from the older school of firefighters and deputies don't talk to each other right and so this guy walks into our station and he says hey everybody sit down at the table i want to talk to you i was like well that's weird is we getting our butts chewed for something? What happened? Uh, this is not normal. And uh, he looked at around the table and he goes, what do you need? And I said, what do you mean? He said, what do you need? What do you need to make your job better? What can I do for you? And I said, are you, are you serious? Because I have a list. I want, there's some tools that I wanted and some things that I wanted. And I was talking to a couple of other trucks, um, uh, truck captains and, and come and, uh, their drivers about things that we needed on our trucks that we didn't have. So I had a list and he asked me, he said, yeah, I'm serious. I'm like, here's the part numbers. Here's the things that <laughs> this is what I want. This captain of this truck wants this tool. This is what we all want. You know, the floor jacks and the, all that yeah. sh- stuff came from this conversation. Nice. And I couldn't believe it. Cause no, nobody has ever done that before that I've seen nobody ever to me anyway. So that was a good leadership thing that he did. And, uh, you know, they gain a lot of respect for everybody in the room. He's asking two-year guys, what do you want from me? This is a 26, I think, year 26 or 7-year, whatever he's got, deputy, asking the two-year guy, what do you want from me? And he got it for us. He got everything on the list that I asked for. Like He gave, he got a house for us to drill on because I got all these young people that don't know how to do anything, you know, and the, and they want to know. Yeah. That's what, that's a big thing is these guys are all motivated. They want to know how to be firemen. So he got us a house. We drilled on it. We did all kinds of fun things at this house. And then he got us all those tools. And they're all coming, you know. I'm like, I couldn't believe it. That's awesome. Well, that's sometimes you get good leaders. Yeah. And, you know, as long as they're genuine and, yeah, I mean, you can tell. I mean, that's the thing with our job is whenever guys aren't genuine about that stuff, you can tell. Oh, sure. Yeah, I I gravitate towards that because I don't want to be the leader. I want to follow somebody like that. Yeah, 
uh, in, a, in their absence, that's when I usually say something or do something and try to be some sort of leader or whatever. But that's not what I want to do. Yeah. Um, and so, I get that. But, yeah, you know, like, like I said, there has to be, and this is my own personal opinion, and I've researched and done a lot of, like, leadership reading, especially once, you know, I got promoted and, or was getting close to getting promoted. Mm-hmm. Um, leadership at every level is huge and it doesn't have to be formal you know you're talking about um you know a five-year firefighter teaching a two-year firefighter something that's a form of leadership right you know and as long as you're doing that kind of stuff and everybody's kind of helping each other out so to speak you know and but everybody knows what the chain of command is of you know i'm the firefighter i can go talk to the driver who can talk to the captain who can talk to the chief Mm -hmm. the deputy you know go down that list if everybody's kind of pointed in the same direction yeah you know you're you're more effective right absolutely yeah and and another thing that i say in that class that you may remember is remember i say young people if you see something say something speak absolutely and then the next thing i say is all company officers all good company officers should be making a crew full of leaders and not followers Mm mm-hmm Everybody has to say something. Everybody has to be vocal. And I've seen that. I've been on some really, really good crews. I've been very lucky in my career. And uh, one of them in particular was a rescue, and it had eight guys on it that had they come from different backgrounds. And, you know, construction, everything. We, we had somebody that seemed like they knew everything, you yeah. know. And uh, so that was really good. And what that company officer would do to that crew, and I think everybody should do this, is uh, he came, actually this technique came from our battalion chief who's passed away, a line of duty death, uh, cancer. But that chief and this company officer were really good about coming in totally blind and saying, uh, hey, you got one week, come up with a drill. It could be one to three hours. I don't care what you do. You're in charge of it. Research it. Make a PowerPoint. I don't care what you do. We could go out and actually do it if it's at a building or, a, you know, go to the junkyard. Whatever you want to do, it's your drill. You're teaching it. And so that technique, when you teach somebody, you actually become better at that job, whatever you're teaching them. So he's 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 teaching people how to be leaders. He's teaching people how to be better at their job, all with a simple command. Yep. You're in charge of a drill. I want it done in a week. Go. And another thing that they would do, <laughs> and this is, man, this is a great technique. They would set up a drill that you didn't know about. They would get you and two or three other people out of the station and could be on the same crew, could be whatever. And then you'd come out and they'd be, hey, you see this problem? That's the problem. There's your tools. You're in charge. That's your crew. Get it done. And he would just do it blind. I mean, it was out of nowhere. You had no idea it was coming. And I'm looking at him. I'm like, I don't know how to do this. I'm not in charge of nothing. I'm, you know. And I'll never forget. We had this. Uh, it's a, <laughs> we had this kid that was a floating firefighter, so he had no time on. He got a spot. Got bumped to our rig. That's how much we liked it. This kid was really good. He was going to be good, and he is good. And so he had no time on, and my company officer did that to him. And he looked up. He It was this kid who had a year on 
with two other kids that just got out of the academy and they were doing like OJT or they were floating or something like that. It was, so it was three brand new guys. He looks at this kid and he goes, here's the problem. There's the tools. You're in charge. Go. And this kid go, looks right at him and says, oh, his name. He goes, hey, Cap, I'm not ready for this. And he goes, perfect. You're it. And he turned around and walked off. <laughs> and then I sat in the chair and watched him do the task. I'm like, oh, this is beautiful. That guy's got probably three or four whatever years now. He's a stud. He's an excellent fireman. Great guy. You know, good head on his shoulders. And it's all, it, it comes from things like that. Yeah. You know, how do you make a three-year guy that great? By doing that. Yeah. Pressure. Pressure. Yeah. Yeah. It was good stuff. Those are good techniques. Yeah. If people are watching and listening, take that home. Do it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, that's interesting. I've never heard that, uh, kind of style before. Mm -hmm. I get it. Um, so was he like, we talked about earlier of, you know, something that they were capable of doing, you know, it wasn't like a drill, like way far out of left field. It was it, something yeah, that right. he should be able to do. It, since this guy was on a rescue, now this is his permanent spot. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so yes, he would have been expected to, to, to be an asset to get this problem done. Okay. And here's why, um, think about your just think about how the fire service is the pumper gets there the truck gets there they do a whole lot of work they're great at it but now they've got a problem that they can't solve they don't have the right tools or maybe the right experience they've never done it they've never seen it whatever the case may be there's only one set of people to call and that's the rescue division right and so they come in and they have different tools and they have different training and things like that well when you're those guys you know, they kind of take a beating with the squirrel this and the, you know, they think they're all whatever. Well, listen, when, you, when you're sitting in that captain seat of the rescue and somebody calls you to a problem that they couldn't solve, you're it. Yeah. It has to be solved. The extrication has to get done. And you're it, right? So there's some serious pressure on that person's shoulders if you've never sat in that seat. I'm telling you, it sucks, you know? I mean... It could be tough. I'll put it that way. Yeah. And so whenever a company officer does that to a guy like that, what he's doing is, is well, he's doing a whole lot of things to him. But one of the things that he's doing is, is starting his thought process and problem solving abilities at a very early age, instead of waiting until he's the 10 year guy. And now he's in charge. Now right. he's going to start being the problem solver. Yeah. No, no. Make him the problem solver at one year, not yeah. 10 years. A lot of guys make the one-year guy the the worker. They're the little worker bee. They're the ones doing everything, and then the ten-year guy is the problem solver. But that's that's not ideal. Uh, no, it's yeah, it's like you said. You want them all to be problem solvers, right? Because I mean, even if you're on a pumper company or a truck company, if you've got just the little worker bee that's mm -hmm. doing the work. Well, somebody's got to supervise the little worker bee. Yeah. So that means I'm taking up my time making sure you're doing what you're doing mm -hmm. the right way right. instead of I trained you, you're good to go, go do your job. Yeah. I don't it. have to worry about, you know, I mean, obviously I'm going to, you know, keep an eye on whatever, but yeah, I don't want to have to micromanage people. Right. I want people on my crew that are problem solvers. 
that's all we are at the end of the day. Yeah. They give us big, cool fire trucks and a lot of money, but really all we are is problem solvers. Yeah. Every single call, that's it. And so, yeah, if you if you look at it from the point of view from the company officer, he, and I say that in that class again, I, I go back to that little saying that I say, uh, uh, every good company officer should make a crew full of leaders. That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the problem solver where you get off the rig and you got four or six guys, and the public looks at you and says, "I don't know which one's the what, which one's the leader. I don't know who's in charge." That's what you really want. You want that crew so good. Yeah. That everybody's interchangeable, everybody can do everybody's job, and they know everybody's job, and they can think several steps ahead to get to, you know, if I see you doing something, I know your third step, I'm going to get that third step ready for you. So when you get to it, bam, it's done. Yeah. That's what they're, That's what you should be striving for, in my opinion. No, I 100% agree with you, John. 100%. Now we just need to take that problem solving and apply it to the mental health issue. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Back to that. And that's, yeah. a, that's huge, man. That's important. I, I really, man, you, you, you challenged me to be here and you challenged me to do some stuff on social media. <laughs> it's not my comfort zone, but I really want to do it. You know, it's, yeah. it's tough, but it needs to be done. Uh, I wish other people would do it because I've, yeah, I think that they have, I don't know, more pull or whatever. I don't know what the right saying, the right term is. More pull with young people. Yeah, more visibility. Yeah, or, more visibility. You know, uh, I, I I get that sentiment, but at the same time, it's like, you know, you can't wait around for everybody. It's like yeah. on the fire ground. I mean, you can't just wait around for somebody else to put the fire out. No. You know, or you can't wait around for somebody else to open the roof. Right. If that's your job, that's your job. I like the guys that are waiting so I can get to do it. <laughs> that way I don't have to. Exactly. Yeah, that way I don't have to push anybody out of the way. <laughs> oh, uh, I'm yeah. old, but I still like to do it. Yeah. that's Man, that was the hardest transition What's for that? me whenever I came over, you know, got promoted, was the not being right in the middle of everything. Oh, yeah. Of having to take a step back and yeah. let my firefighters do their job. Yeah. You know, and it, it always annoyed the piss out of me whenever I was a firefighter, whenever a captain would try and jump. I'm like, get out of the way. Yeah. This is my job. Yeah. And then I was doing the same thing. Yeah. I was like, man. You know, I go back to, we all do this, but I go back to another one of my leaders where he said, you know what? When you're sitting in that seat, you know, and we can ride out as captain at eight years, I started doing that. And I'm like, and I, and I, I'm really still the sub of this company when I, when I was there, one of the subs. And so I, I felt like I should be working. And he said, step back. What are you doing? I said, well, I, I got to work. He said, no, you're their protector. You're here to make sure no, none of these civilians do anything harmful to them. And you can't do that when you got your hands on the patient. Now, if yep. you're doing CPR and stuff like that, and it takes everybody, I get that. That's yeah. not what he's talking about. I'm talking about, you know, the, the regular extrication or the regular EMS call, get your hands off the tools, let your people do the work yep. and watch them and protect them. That's what your real job is. And yep. I'm like, hey, you know what? You're right. Uh, he's always right. <laughs> and so I, I just tech, took that with me. You know, I, if in the rare instance that I sit in that captain's seat, I do very little of the work. Um, and I just try to let them all do it and watch over them, make sure they don't make any mistakes and, 
when they get to a point that stumps them, I go in there and give a little nudge and then off they go. Yeah. That, that, that's the goal anyway. Yeah. Yeah. That's the good goal. Yeah. So, yeah, man, I would look, I'm super pleased that you came on the podcast. I really do appreciate it. Yeah. And if I get, just get more guys to come on and just talk about it yeah. and just be open about it. I mean, I think that goes, you know, we've had, I had David Struther on the podcast, you know, therapist. I've had him. I've had other therapists. I've had, really? you know, personalities and stuff come on and talk about this stuff. That's one thing, you know, yeah, you're going to get good, you know, information and all of that stuff, but having guys that everybody knows come on and say, Hey, look, I had a problem mm-hmm. and I handled it. This is how I did it. This is, you know, and now look at me. Yeah. It, it goes so much further, I think, than, you know, at least locally. Right. And and that's really, that's my main goal. Yeah, that's you what know? I care about most. I, I yeah. care about this area. You know, yeah, I put it on YouTube, it goes worldwide. I put it on Spotify, it goes worldwide. That's great. And if I help somebody in England or help somebody in Canada, that's awesome. Because it's a big brotherhood. Right. You know, it's a big family. So, yeah, I want to help all those people, too. This is what I'm focused on. Yeah. So. (laughs) Sorry. Our department is what I'm really, really focused on. I want to help everybody, like you said, but our department, sorry about that. That's all right. Is what I really, really care about. I got a lot of pride in that, what it says on our shirt. Take that pretty serious. Yeah. No, 100% agree, man. So, well, we've been going long enough i don't want to keep you all night long so do you have any uh closing thoughts no if you know people are watching and listening to this you know just call somebody call you know we have uh we have people that can help you just gotta call and ask for help you gotta reach out i can't recognize everybody that needs help i wouldn't even know what that looks like really um not all the time anyway and so if you feel something is a problem just go reach out and do it before it's a major problem before you like my buddy with the gun in his mouth and stuff you know that's just i can't even imagine that guy doing that you know and so go get yourself some help and if you ever have you know if you don't know who else to call you can always call me i I, at the end of the class that that you were in i we put our names and numbers and emails up there i want everybody to call i don't care what they want to talk about try to help them and if if i don't know the answer uh i have a group of mentors that i call on a regular basis you know uh, i'll help get the answer i'll find the answer i certainly don't have all the answers but i'll get it i'll get it to you yeah so cool that's it thanks for coming on right on Um, thanks for having me no problem and like he said if you are struggling reach out there are resources out there people care if you know somebody that's struggling, you recognize the signs and a crew member, a friend, whatever, you know, reach out to them. Tell them that you care. Let them know what the resources are. If you don't know what the resources are, reach out to somebody else. Somebody knows. I mean, right. there's there's stuff all over the place. So there are a ton of programs, not just with the department, but outside. If you're more comf- comfortable doing that, there are a million nonprofit organizations that help first responders and most of the time is completely free. So yeah, reach out. I mean, what's the alternative? I mean, you, you reach out, you get help and then you're happy. 
Right. That sounds terrible. Right, right. You know? So reach out. So, yeah. All right. Thanks for stopping by, and we'll see you next time.